the story of Samuel's mother, Hannah. And uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to be right there at verse 1. Maybe some of y'all have never read the story of Hannah. I encourage you to read along with me or at least listen along with me as, as I read it to you. We're going to read through the, most of the, uh, the first part of her story. And uh, she's a great woman of the Bible. People have this idea that women didn't have much to do with the Bible. They had a lot to do with the, God, with the Lord and with the Bible. And they had a lot to do with God using them. And there's so many examples in the Bible where you have these great women of the Bible. And that's what I want to study out this morning together is uh, study out how Hannah handled personal heartbreak. Personal heartbreak. That's what I want to preach on this morning. Look at verse 1. Now, there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim. I'm glad that word's only one time there. Because <laughs> I don't, I could, I, I said at that time, was it right? I have no idea, but I just said it. Of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephrathite. Now, Ephrathite is part of Bethlehem. And it's amazing when you study through the Old Testament, that they had different names for the same place. How many times Bethlehem comes up? And of course, we know our Lord and Savior was born in the town of Bethlehem, house of bread. And verse 2, and he had two wives. Now this guy, Elkanah, had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. 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 I, I said that word a hundred times at home when I get up here and I can't say it. That's how it works for me. Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah, Hannah had no children. Hannah had no children. Now, brothers and sisters, we're going to talk about this morning, and I'm going to preach on this morning Personal heartbreak, because we're going to see in this story that Hannah is going to be led through this time in her life where she has personal heartbreak. And she's going through this in her life, and she's dealing with personal heartbreak. And we're going to talk, and, and the, Bible, for our, for the Bible is going to define what personal heartbreak is. And when, I don't just mean heartbreak. I'm talking about a personal heartbreak. Hannah's got, Hannah's got some personal heartbreak, and her not having children has broken her heart. It's broken her heart. Now, I want to encourage you, ladies, if there's anybody in here or, or has been listening to me that has, has, have, has dealt with not being able to have a child or has been wanting to have a child and the Lord's kind of shuffling His feet about giving you one, to be encouraged because all through the Bible you have women that didn't have children and the Lord showed up and you gave them a child. Now, Brother Packer's one I think about so much because Brother Packer, he told me one time, he prayed, him and his wife wanted to have children, and they waited and waited and waited and prayed and prayed, and his wife wanted to have a big family, and it was like three, four, five years, and they decided that she wasn't going to be able to give, have a child, and then one day, boom, she, she was pregnant. And six children later, three, three boys and three girls, three sons, three, three, six children later, they have a full family. And I know every one of them and was raised around every one of them, but it's amazing when you see all his children, to him to think, yeah, we thought we were never going to have children. But just stay faithful like Hannah is and stay faithful to praying. There's an encouragement for you there. It's a sad thing to live in America where you have so many women in this country that want to have children and you have another side of this country where there's so many women that are killing their children in the womb. It's a sad thing, man. It's, it's a real, real sad thing that we, that we have uh, that going on in America. But it is, and it's happening every day. It's happening every day. So this story is going to teach us it don't matter if you're a man or a woman, this story is going to teach us how to handle personal heartbreak. Personal heartbreak. Let's go back to the Bible in verse 3. And this man went up and out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh in the, 
And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. So this guy, Elkanah, he would take his two wives and they would go up there and they would go up to the go up here to worship and they'd do this once a year. And they go up to worship once a year. Now at this time, remember, the Lord was being long-suffering with them hard-hearted Israelites or Jews because they were getting multiple wives. And the Lord didn't want them to have multiple wives, but he was kind of winking his eye at this at this time. That's why this guy has, has two different wives. He was, he was, uh, the Lord was allowing them to do uh, polygamy, but the Lord didn't condone it in a, uh, in a, in a, per se in his law, but he knew that he, they were doing it. It's like Jesus Christ came along to ask Jesus Christ, Christ questions and Jesus Christ will say, yeah, but Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, it's not, it should not be that way, but because of the hardness of your heart, God was allowing that. So just kind of keep that in mind. So verse 4, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. Verse 5, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Now notice it says the Lord had done it. We have to acknowledge the Lord in all the, these things that happen in our lives. Uh, we have to acknowledge these things. We have to acknowledge that the Lord's doing something, and we need to ask the Lord, why are you doing it? What's going on? And that's what we're going to get into this morning. But we have to acknowledge that it, there's things that happen to us that sometimes it's not our fault, it's not somebody else's fault. God just does it. You know, uh, you know, her husband could say, well, why aren't you having me a child? Why aren't you giving me birth? Well, it wasn't her fault. And well, obviously, we're going to find out it wasn't her fault. The Bible says right there, the Lord has shut up her womb. The Lord has a plan. The Lord had something going on. And it's just for this story right here, so we could be reading it in 2019. The Lord knows all things, and He knows there's going to be a preacher standing up in 2019. And He needs a good story to preach, and this is a good one right here. The Lord could just do stuff like that. And the Lord's telling stories in every one of our lives. And, and, and the, more the, the more the drama, the better the story. But we don't like the drama. We like the peace. We like to go through life, just sailing through life. We don't like the drama, but God Almighty loves to tell a good story. And we love a good story, as long as we're not the ones involved in it, right? <laughs> as long as we're not the ones that's, the, that's in the tragedy of the story. And that's what poor old Hannah's had to deal with. But I want to point out to you that even though she was loved, and she was loved, she was loved, she was still heartbroken. Now, you might have a loving, supportive family. It might, you ha might have an outward appearance of everything being fine, but you'll still be living through this heartbreak. You're still going to be living through this heartbreak. It's something, this personal heartbreak that Hannah's dealing with, it's not between her and her husband. Her husband loves her. Her husband's showing her favor. But it's, she's still not happy. And he just doesn't understand. He just doesn't understand. But this personal heartbreak is something that she's going to have to deal with between her and not her husband, but her and the Lord God. Amen. And she knows it. She knows it. Verse 6. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb and as he did, so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Now, Opinina was a pretty mean woman. The other wife was making fun of her. Her adversary. She would make fun of her. And she, look, it says in verse 6, she provoked her sore. She made her fret. She so she provoked her back in verse 7. 
this woman was going along. I don't know what this woman was saying, but you can kind of just read into the story that this poor Hannah's walking along, and, and that woman's saying, well, I don't know what's wrong with you. I, I'm having his children. There must be something wrong with you. Because me and Elkanah, we're able to have children. We have a daughter and sons, and you don't have anything. So the problem must be with you. And she's provoking her, and she's egging it on, and man, that's just so wicked. Amen. That's so wicked to do somebody that way. And don't we do people that way? Amen. We judge people that way. We judge people by the way we think they are or they should be. And we tend to judge people that way. Panana was rubbing it in and making it worse. She was rubbing it in and making it, making it worse. You know what's the sad thing about this? Is you'll see somebody like Panana. You'll see ungodly people. Ungodly people. They'll be living in sin don't care about God, and they'll have, they'll, they'll have no problems with their health. They'll, be ha they'll have no problems with their finances. They'll be having no family problems. There'll be nothing going on wrong in their lives. And you look at your life, and you're having all kinds of problems. And you're like, well, I'm trying to live for God. I'm trying to go to church. I'm trying to do the right things. Why is my life falling apart? Why is the Lord doing this to me? And I look, at, I look up there at them, and they're living an ungodly life, and everything's going good for them. That makes you question you know what that does? That makes, you, makes your heartache break even more. Because you wonder, why doesn't God do something to them? Why does you start questioning these things. And it's real easy to get into that. Real easy to get into that. Now look, notice verse 7. I want to show you something. To, there's two things I want you to notice in verses 6 and 7. Look at verse 7. And as he did so year by year. Guys, this is a personal heartbreak that's been going on for years and years and years. And some of y'all have been dealing with some personal heartbreak in your life, and it's been going on not for a day, not for a week, not for a month. It's been going on for a year after year after year. You've been carrying this burden, this weight, this storm cloud of your life has been over you, and you've been carrying it, and not just by a day, by a week or a month. You've been carrying it year by year, and it's starting to stoop on. You're starting to stoop you down. You're starting to get burdened by it. That's what personal heartbreak will do to you. But up in verse 6, I want to show something else to you about verse 6. And her adversary also provoked her sore. What do we know about the word adversary in our Bible? Well, we know that there's only one other person that's called adversary in our Bible. We know of another person called adversary in our Bible. That's Satan. Our adversary is a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour, walketh on this earth. Guys, that adversary right there is Satan working. And I want to point out to you, and I want you to remember this, during your personal heartbreak, never forget the spiritual side of things. Amen. There's a spiritual side of things. And even as Christians who... Go to church, you try to do the right things by the Lord, you try to read our Bible. Even as Christians, we can look out in the world and we'll forget because we're looking at things with our, with our uh, fleshly eyes. We forget that there's a spiritual battle going around. Yeah. And it's going on all around us. And we forget about that. And you can see the devil working on Hannah through this other lady. Yeah. Coming up behind it, putting words into her mouth. Putting words into Penanum's mouth. That's breaking Hannah's heart and breaking her heart even worse. Peninnah could have been a good friend to Hannah. Peninnah could have said, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay. But she was being an adversary. She was poking at her. She was mocking her. She was making fun of her. Guys, that's the devil working in that lady's life. And we never need to forget that there's unseen spiritual forces working behind the scenes. 
I've had things going on in my life nobody knows about. I mean, nobody but me and God. And I'll have somebody call me up, and they'll say something to me, and I'll, in my mind I'll say, that's the devil talking to me. And the devil will get, the, and they don't know it. The people who call me, they have no idea. They're like Peter. When Peter was talking to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ says I, he has to go to Jerusalem. He's going to have to be crucified. They're going to kill him. And Peter says, not while I'm here, Lord. I'm not going to let them do it. And what did Jesus Christ say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Right to Peter's face. Satan was talking through Peter to Jesus Christ. You can have other loved ones. You can have other people around you, friends, co-workers, and the devil can use them and talk to you through them. And we forget about that, that people can be devil-influenced, demon-influenced, and they can speak to you and give you things you don't need to hear or that you don't want to hear. And I've had people call me up and tell me stuff, and I'll be like, my heart will be just breaking when I'm hearing them saying it. And, and I'm not judging them. I don't get mad at them because I know enough about the spiritual realm that they don't know what's going on in my life. They have no idea. But I know who two people who do, the Lord and the devil. <laughs> And I know it's not the Lord doing it to me. It's that old wicked Satan doing it to me. And don't ever forget the spiritual side of things. When you're going through life, you'll see things like that happen. You go, okay, now I need to take a step back here. And I need to think, is the Lord moving or is the devil moving? Who's, what's going on here? Well, how do you win a spiritual battle like that? Well, you can't win it with the arms. You can't win it with a gun, with a sword. You can't win it with the flesh. It's a, a spiritual battle can only be won in the spiritual realm. You're not in the spiritual realm, brothers and sisters. Who is? Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. You're going to turn that battle over to Jesus Christ. You feel like the devil's getting after you. You feel like people are talking to you. The devil's talking to you through people. You need to say, Lord Jesus Christ, cover me in your precious blood. Lord God, block that. I don't want to hear it. And I claim the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I claim, the, I claim the precious name of Jesus Christ. Boy, call out the name that the devil doesn't want to hear. Plead the blood that the devil doesn't want to hear about. You've got to claim this stuff. You gotta, it's a spiritual battle. So pour, pull out your spiritual weapons. It, the spiritual weapon you have is the Word of God. That's your sword. And you've got the Holy Spirit and you've got Jesus Christ. Let Him win that battle. And Hannah's going to learn that. She provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Poor old Hannah. She's heartbroken. It's a personal heartbreak. Her husband doesn't understand. Peninnah is picking on her. She's heartbroken between her and the Lord. And look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? <laughs> well, that's, verse 8 shows you something. Number one, husbands are stupid. Amen. Well, you amen to Brother Raymond. <laughs> You're supposed to not amen that kind of stuff. No, yeah, amen. You were stupid, brother. I am too. Amen, brother. Uh, yeah, I'll let you get by with that one then. Husbands can just be flat, stupid, ignorant about stuff. Uh, we can be, uh, you women are very spiritually tuned. That's why the devil came to y'all in the Garden of Eden. Y'all got a special attunement that it really 
you're very, that's why most witchcraft, most uh, voodoo doctors, most uh, medians, most psych, uh, psychics, most of those are women. Because they're spiritually attuned to the spiritual world. And uh, men are just not. We're just dumb. I mean, it's all flesh with us. We're real carnal. So he doesn't understand what's going on and being dumb like he is. He's, he's, doing, he's asking her these questions. Why are you not eating? Why are you not drinking? Why, are you, why is your heart greed? Why is it? So you're, you need to understand something about personal heartbreak. You need to understand this, that there's going to be a lot of your loved ones that just aren't going to understand. They love you. It might be your husband, it might be your wife, it might be your best friend, it might be a brother or a sister or an uncle or an aunt. They, they love you, they really truly love you, but they just can't understand Amen. the heartbreak you're dealing with. It's a per, I'm talking about personal heartbreak. That you could try to explain it, but it wouldn't make sense to them. And when you do uh, open your heart up sometimes, you try to explain it to somebody, they go, what's wrong with you? Just cheer up. This isn't something you just cheer up from. Amen? There's sometimes you get brokenhearted that you just don't just cheer up. You know, when I've gone through the trials of my life, I've had people come, come on, I'm going to take you out. Let's go over here. Let's go over here. Let's do that. I don't want to go nowhere. I, I don't want to do nothing. And my friends just couldn't understand that. But I tried to tell them, and I flat told them, you could take me and put me on the other side of the globe and put me in Japan, and I would, st I would still have all my problems around me. It's nothing physical you can do for me. There's nothing you can buy me or do for me. It's something inside my heart, inside my soul. I'm heartbroken. And it's something personal, obviously, because you don't understand. It's a personal heartbreak, and he just didn't get it. And you're going to have loved ones that are just not going to understand. I like what he says there at the end of verse 8. Am not I better to thee than ten sons? No, you big dummy, you're not. <laughs> A son and a husband are different. Amen. 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 I, say this, I say this all the time, and I believe this all my heart. The only perfect man is a mother's son. It isn't, it isn't a lady's husband. It's a mother's son. There's, there's a... Yeah, brother, he's perfect, though. He's a scout. Amen. He's a good guy. But the point is, you see my point about that. My point is that a mother has a love for her son that just supersedes everything. She, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. You see that in mothers. The mothers love their son so much that they'll put up with some of the most incredible nonsense that they can't see through. They'll just cut, all the sin goes away when they see their son. Their son could be in the deepest, darkest prison, and their son is innocent. He didn't do nothing wrong. He's, just, he's an angel. That's why a lot of mothers look at their sons. So no, no, you are not as good to me as ten sons. You're not. That's what she's, well, she don't say it, but that's probably what she's thinking. Verse 9, so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. So she's going up towards the house of the Lord. And Eli the priest, he's just kind of hanging out. It's, it's, it, evidently it's kind of evening time. And he's kind of just hanging out like the priest does there at the temple. And he sees this woman. And here comes this woman. And here comes Hannah. Verse 11 or verse 10. And she was in bitterness of the soul. And prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Here's the solution to personal heartbreak. And here we go. This is, this is the recipe. The first thing you need to do for personal heartbreak is you need to take your heartbreak to the Lord God. 
Don't take it to a psychiatrist. You don't necessarily need to take it to your husband or wife. They might not understand. I think we got that established, right? I mean, it's good to talk to them. You understand? You know, it's good to have somebody to confide in, but this is not the same thing. They, they're, sometimes they're not going to understand. They're going to love you. He loved her, but they just didn't understand. You've got to take this to the right source, the Lord God. Tell the Lord that you're bitter. Tell him. Be honest. Tell him. Look. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Be honest to the Lord about your feelings. Tell the Lord, Lord, I don't like what you're doing to me. I don't like what's happened to me. Lord, I don't like this feeling. Lord, why won't you give me a son? Why won't you give me a baby? Lord, I don't understand. I don't like the way Panana's treating me. I don't like the way I'm, the stuff I'm having to deal with. My husband's dumb. He don't get it. Lord, I don't, I don't like this life. I, this is not the life I wanted. As a, you know when I was a little girl, I wanted to have nothing more. There's nothing more I wanted, Lord, than a little child. And you won't give them to me, Lord, and I'm bitter about it. See, you be honest in prayer. Don't hold nothing back. And you got to be sincere about it. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Shed some tears. Don't hold it in. Let it all out. Don't hold it in. Let it all out. Shed some tears. Some of you guys need to learn that. Some of you men. Some of you men are so prideful you won't shed a tear for anything. It's good to cry. Our Lord and Savior, He didn't just cry on the cross. He cried over Jerusalem. He cried over Israel. And He cried when He looked down and see them all going to hell. And He said, I would have gathered together like chicks would gather together, uh, like a hen would gather together her chicks. He, he cried over Jerusalem. When He saw everybody weeping at Lazarus' tomb, the, the shortest verse in the whole Bible said, Jesus wept. Now there's no better a real man than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And things are going to break your heart, man, and you, it's, it's, just get it out. You don't have to cry. I don't want to see you crying in front of me. <laughs> Go off somewhere in the wilderness and cry. Go off. This is between you and the Lord, right? Man, we don't want to see each other cry, right? I don't want to, I don't want to think less of Ronnie if I see him crying or something like that. Go, go off somewhere. But you get what my point is. This is a personal heartbreak. So if it's something personal, then you need to take care of it personally. You're more than welcome to come to me. We'll pray. But there's some things you need to do between you and the Lord. You and the Lord. You and the Lord. Amen. Amen. I know this to be true. Verse 11. And she vowed a vow. Now how she's wept. She's cried out to the Lord. She's prayed to the Lord. Now this is what she's going to do in verse 11. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me. And not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. She's making a promise and a vow to the Lord. She says, Lord, if you'll give me a child, I'll let him be a Nazarite. Now that's what Samson was. They didn't eat, they didn't eat drink wine, they didn't eat grapes, it could, take, it could taste nothing off of the grapevine. They couldn't cut their hair. There's all these restrictions about a Nazarite. That's what she was doing. Uh, John the Baptist was a Nazarite. Samson was a Nazarite. And they couldn't have any kind of grape juice, any kind of wine, any kind of raisins, nothing off the grapevine. Nothing. No grapes, anything. And they couldn't cut their hair. And that's what she's saying there. All the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. 
So Samuel is going to be a Nazarite, but she's promising to give him to the Lord. Now let me point out something to you in verse 11. If you're going to ask the Lord for something, give the Lord a good reason to answer your prayer. Give the Lord a good reason to answer your prayer. And I've, I've hit on this a lot lately, and I don't want to dwell on it a long time, but so many people, they ask the Lord, Lord, give me a new car. I need a new car. My old car's break, break down. Give me a new car. So you can run off and drive it to Vegas and live up life and drink and get drunk. You know, you see where I'm going with this? But if you pray and say, Lord, I need a new car because I'm picking people up to go to church. I want to help people get to church. Or I need to get... Give him a good reason to answer your prayer. Don't turn there, but in James chapter 4, verse 3, you need to know this verse. In James chapter 4, verse 3, this is what James wrote about prayer and not getting what you want. Because so many people say, well, the Lord don't answer my prayer. He says, you ask and receive not. You're asking for something, but you receive it not. Why? Because you ask amiss. You ask amiss. Why, why are you asking amiss? This is what his answer was. That you may consume it upon your own lusts. You're asking the Lord for something that's very selfish, and you're just going to use it for your own self-gain, self-lust, motivation, self-will. That's why so many people don't get prayers answered. Because God's not going to answer it because it's just simply not good. <laughs> If you're going to ask, ask the Lord to answer a prayer for you, give him a good reason to answer it. She uh, said, you know what, Lord, if you'll give me a child, I'm not going to raise him as a heathen. I'm going to raise him up in your law, and I'm going to give him to you, and he'll be yours. Now, that's a good prayer. And that's a vow, though, right? Because it says there in verse 11, and she vowed a vow. So let me give you a warning. Let me just tell you something. If you're going to make a vow with God, you better well keep it. If you're going to tell God, God, I, I promise if you'll give me this new car, I I'll go pick up so-and-so or brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and bring them to church and I'll, 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 I'll be more faithful to going to church. If you're starting to pray prayers like that, you better keep it. Because see what's happening. We're so good at doing, right? Because we know people who borrowed money from us. Hey, if, if, you, if you give me $20, I'll pay you back Friday. How many of us have had that happen and never seen that $20 again? We hadn't forgot it, but they forgot it, right? The point is, is we make vows with God in prayer, and sometimes we get real. And this is serious, right? Very serious business, and we're very serious. We're heartbroken. We're, 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 we're pouring our soul out to God, and we want God to answer us. And then we make a vow. We say something that's a vow that says, Lord, if you'll do this, if you'll do this for me, Lord, I promise you I'm going to live for you. I'm going to... We forget it when we get up and see God answer that prayer, but God hadn't forgotten it. I know I've said this before, I've, times I've done funerals and had people come up to me after a funeral and shake my hand and look me square in the face and say, you know, I'm going to get back into church. It was a real blessing and I need to get right with Jesus Christ. I need to get back into church. And I said, well, praise the Lord, I'm going to be, and I never see him again, never. And they mean it. They're heartbroken. They're having a personal heartbreak there at that funeral and they mean it and God's moved on their heart and they make a vow and they don't keep it. Write this verse down, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4. Write this one down, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4. Uh, Solomon says there, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. <laughs> pay that which thou hast vowed. 
That verse tells you God's not going to play any games with you, and he's not, he doesn't have any pleasure in fools. He don't like messing with fools. So if you're going to vow a vow, keep the vow. The most famous vow in the Bible, I think, is the Jeff, Japheth. When he vowed and he sold God, he said, God, if uh, you'll deliver me and deliver my enemies into me, the first thing I see walk out of my front door when I come home, I'll sacrifice it to you. Y'all remember reading that one in the Bible? And I don't know if he thought it was going to, the first thing out of his front door was going to be his wife's cat, or if he thought it was going to be his mother-in-law. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> but he got home and it was his daughter. And he rent his clothes, and he told his daughter, oh, why'd you come out? And his daughter grieved and cried, and she went away for a while in a mountain and grieved and cried, and the Bible said he sacrificed her. He was, he, to him, he had to keep that vow. Now, he didn't know his Bible, and we're not going to get into that, but the Bible has all kinds of ways for you to get out of a vow. You can ask forgiveness, you can break a vow, you can ask forgiveness. But be careful in your vows. Be careful with your rash vows. That was a rash vow. But Hannah was, and we're going to see Hannah's going to keep her word about this vow. Praise the Lord, she is going to keep her word. Verse 12, and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. In other words, he, he, was watching what her, she, he was watching her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. So you can pray inwardly. You don't have to pray. Every, every prayer doesn't have to be out loud. She was praying inwardly. All this stuff's happened inwardly. And her lips is kind of moving with her prayer that she's saying inwardly in her heart. See, she, she spake in her heart. So she's praying in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. Otherwise, she'd been drinking and got drunk. Verse 14, And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Okay, brothers and sisters, Hannah runs into to Eli. Eli sees her looking, he thinks she's drunk because she's just staggering around and she's, she's crying and she's praying inside her heart and her lips are kind of moving and he thinks she's drunken and, and she tells him exactly what she's doing and this is the rest of what you need to do. You need to pour out your soul. Verse 15. But have poured out my soul before the Lord. You need to pour out all your sorrows. See, I'm a sorrowful spirit. Verse 15. You need to take all your sorrows, all that pain, and you need to just you need to pour it out unto the Lord. You need to pour it out to the Lord. You need to get rid of it. They say that burdens. It's been going on for not days, not months, but years, and it's burdensome to you, and you're carrying it around. And God says, just pour it out. Just pour it out. Just drop it off. Just let it go. You need to pour out your sorrows. You need to pour out all your complaints. See, look, for out of the abundance of my complaint, verse 16, if you're going to complain, complain to the Lord. Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand. Just pour all that stuff out. And all your griefs. 
The abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken. She's pouring out in all her sorrows, all her complaints, all her griefs. Now listen, this is the key. You've got to pour all that out so the Lord can pour in his love. You got this so full. You got this old body. You got this old soul. You got this old heart so full of sorrow and grief and complaints and just nothing's going right and it's a burdensome and you got to just pour it out and let it go so the Lord can pour in His love. Pour in His Holy Spirit. He's trying to pour it in, but it's like if I had this cup of water here and it was full to the brim, everything I'd pour in would just run over. It wouldn't go in because there's no room because you've got it full of grief and sorrow and complaints. And she's been carrying it for years and years. And finally, she's done with it. Her husband comes to her and says, What are you doing? Why are you complaining? Why, why are you crying? What's the matter with you? Why are you not eating? Aren't I better than ten sons? And she can't take it anymore. And she's been for years been listening to the other wife. Ha, 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 mock her. And she just runs off and runs to the temple and says, Lord, I don't like this anymore. I can't live like this. And she starts crying and weeping. And she says, Lord, if you'll just give me a son, I'll give him back to you. She's poured out her sorrow. She's poured out her complaints. She's poured out her grief. And now the Lord God can pour in his love. I thank the Lord that he does. I thank the Lord that, I thank the Lord that he's willing to pour in his love. And that we're not empty. If you will pour it out toward God, I promise you, you won't get up off your knees empty. And I, I've lived it. Been on my face just crying and weeping out to God, just, just giving him my complaints, giving him all my sorrows. And I'll tell you, every single time I've done that, I've gotten up off my knees and I felt the love of God on me. Was everything changed? No. Sometimes nothing changed. I can't change that situation. But God can change me. And what happened was this bitter, envious, hateful person that just couldn't take it anymore. I, was, I, I got down on my knees and I said, God, I can't do it. And I poured it out of him and he said, I'm going to pour in my love. And when I got up, I was changed. Nothing else in my life was changed, but God had changed me. If you will pour out your sorrows, pour out your griefs, God can pour in. Pour in his love. Look at verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. So the priest kind of gives her a blessing. And I want to make a point about this. There's times where your Christian, and I'm talking about Christian, your Christian friends can be such a big blessing to you, and you need to get around them. There's times maybe your husband won't understand, your wife won't understand, and some other co-workers at work might not understand, but a brother or sister at the church, a brother or sister, a good Christian friend you know of, you can give them a call and say, hey, I just, I just need to talk to somebody. And it can be a blessing to you. And they can help you get through this. Verse 18. Verse 18. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight, Notice what happens. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. There it is right there. 
You've got a woman that was definitely having a personal heartbreak in her life, but she took it to the Lord. She was crying to the Lord. She let it all out. She wasn't trying to hide nothing from the Lord. She poured out all her, all her sorrow, all her complaints, all her griefs, all the bitterness. She tried to pour it out, and the Lord poured it right in, His love. And she got up and she said, I'm not having a child today. I'm not having a child in a week. But she was no more sad. What had changed? What had changed? She had came to her God and her God had changed her. Because she had did the right thing by the Lord. She came and she had poured it out to the Lord so the Lord could pour it in. His love and His Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord for that. The solution is... If you can take your heartbreak and take it to the Lord and pour it out to the Lord. That allows the Lord to pour it into you, His love, and you will be changed. You can make it through. Now, is your problems going to change? No. Not, and I'm not necessarily guaranteeing that. Like I've told you, I've got nothing to change my life. But He can change how you're handling it. I had, a, I had this lady I knew, she would drive from Arkansas... And she, it's a, it's a five-hour drive from Arkansas. She'd make it an eight, nine-hour drive. She would not go up on the interstate. She'd go all these back roads and turn into like this nine-hour drive. And the last time I talked to her, she said, I came from Arkansas, and I took the freeway, and I came down, and I got here in four, four and a half, five hours or whatever. I'm like, wow, how'd you get here? You know what she said to me? She said, I just had all this anxiety, and I just gave it over to the Lord. Amen. I said, Lord, I, I don't want to live like this. What had changed? The traffic's still horrible up in Dallas. It's still, what had changed her? But she didn't change. The Lord had changed her. She didn't change herself. She tried and couldn't do it. Anxiety too much. The Lord had came in and changed her. Let's see what happens in closing. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to the house in Ramah. And look, Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Oh, man, don't you want the Lord to remember you? Well, if, if he's letting you call him Father, and you're coming to your father and you say, Father, I'm having problems, I'm having sorrows, I'm having griefs, a good father's going to take care of their child and remember them. Notice what he says here in verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Asked of the Lord. That's what asked of God. That's what Samuel means. And the man, Elkanah, and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Here we go. It's that time of year again. But Hannah, verse 22, but Hannah went not up. For she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. She's going to keep that vow. She remembered that vow. She's going to keep it. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her and with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. She's going to bring a big sacrifice to God plus the child. This is good stuff. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. There's that priest again. And she said, O oh my Lord, talking to, to Eli, not to God, but to Eli, O oh my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am this, the woman that stood before thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, 
And the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. That's a good testimony. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he should be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. When you can go through your personal heartbreak and you can come out on the other side, you're not only going to be blessed, but other people are going to get a blessing. Amen. Amen to that. And he did. He was really, really blessed. You know what? What you'll find out about Hannah, if you look at chapter 2, verse 21, if you don't want to, I'll read it to you real quick. The Lord visited Hannah after she gave up, she gave up Samuel. This is what the Lord did for Hannah in chapter 2, verse 21. The Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bared three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. The Lord gave her five more children. The Lord gave her five more children. What a blessed, blessed story. What a blessed promise. You know what you know what's so wonderful about I can't guarantee you what the Lord's going to do in your life. I can't. Nobody can. Nobody can. But I can guarantee you when you're praying and crying out and weeping out to the Lord, that's a good God. Amen. And I can show you story after story where he's been very, very good to people. Amen. You're not, I'm not sending you to some God that doesn't care for you, that doesn't care what's happening in your life, that, doesn't, that wants the worst for you. I'm sending you to a God that loves you and cares for you, and only he knows what's best for you. But I know he's always, always been very, very wonderful to me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your love and grace in our lives, Lord God. Thank you for this, this story of Hannah, Father God. And Lord, I ask you to bless any, any woman, Lord God, that's dealing with that. But Father, I ask you to bless anybody that's dealing with some personal heartbreak, Lord God, that we could just come to you, Father. And Lord, if there's anybody that is trying to pour their soul out to you, pour out their griefs, and they're being honest with you, Lord God, Father, I ask you just to pour in your love. And Father, when they get up, Lord, they'll feel changed. They'll feel that things are going to be different, Lord. And Father, we're, we're not trying to change them. They're not trying to change themselves, Lord. We're waiting for you to change us. And Father, I just pray if there's some, somebody underneath the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, we'll give the invitation. They'll come on down here and they'll find out what it's like to be a child of God, to be your child, Lord. But Father, I just pray if they don't know you, that they'll, you'll make hell real to them, Father. And, you'll, and they'll realize that judgment's coming and that you will have to judge them and there's no way they can stand before you. Lord, I love you. Thank you for loving us. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.